Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 12-22-2021, and we're ready to begin our worship service. Why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. We are here, and in December, and Father, we are recognizing how fast the time has gone in this year. And we're already at uh, the Christmas season and Christmas is in a few days, and we're our our minds are heavy with thoughts of how to how to manage this holiday as the world is focused uh, on celebrating it through gifts. And when we are thinking about the greatest gift of all, and that is uh, your gift to us of eternal life and the calling that we have received in Christ. So Father, how can we in this busy, bustling world make an impact? Uh, often that is the thought as we think about this holiday season. Father, we pray for opportunities. Give us open doors. Uh, help us to witness uh, so that we can uh, show your love and your grace and your mercy towards not only us but to the world at the bountiful gifts that are available for free, for no work at all. So we thank you, Father, for that. And we thank you for this group. Father, as, as before we begin, we will pray for Word is Truth Christian Church. We will pray for Word of Truth Christian Church, which is Mike's church in Illinois as well. And we are asking, Father, uh, for... Uh, whatever our needs are, whatever is on our heart, uh, whether it be healing, financial problems, whether it be uh, any difficulties in our lives that are distracting us from what you need from us in this world, we pray, Father, that uh, you will relieve us from those things so that we can focus our attention on the mission that is before us. So we thank you for... Uh, Fred and Brenda, who have opened up their home to me today, uh, we're thanking them as well. We're praying for all word of truth, wherever they may be in this world. All of this we ask in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. 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 All right, so we are at this place where we're going to begin looking at Romans 10.5. And by the way, just to note, there are... Uh, other resources available. Uh, let me mention the website, which is wordistruth.com. Uh, there you can find a host of uh, material, uh, sermons, writing, all sorts, even videos are there. Uh, and uh, which some of them I'm like, oh, I didn't want to put that video up there, but uh, it's okay. Um, I let it fly. So you can go to the website, you can look at whatever uh, suits you, whatever you're interested in, and get to know the resources that are available to you there as well. But we are in Romans chapter 10, and we're looking at verse 5. I know we took a couple weeks off, so we are here and ready to get busy. So Romans 10.5, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. So you should have some notes. 
And uh, in your notes, Paul continues his argument against Israel in this chapter. Their insistence on keeping the law as a means of justification knows no bounds. The apostle tries to reason with them to show the impossibility of their hope of justification through this means. There are some striking parallels to, this fa to, to their failures and what is going on today in the minds of many professed Christians. We must not make mis the mistakes Israel made. We must learn from them and fulfill the special call on our lives. So that's where we are, Romans 10.5, and we're going to start with a couple of points. We broke this verse out into two phrases, the first of which we will begin. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. So this is an interesting phrase. Let's dig in and see where we, uh, what we're going to get from this. Um, I have to confess I saw these scriptures and I looked at them and I wasn't, I'm not going to tell you I knew exactly what Leviticus said. <laughs> so, but, but as I investigated them over the time I had, I came to understand exactly where Paul was going. So I hope I can convey that to you as well. So sit tight. Let's see what we can do. So the first point is Paul goes back to the writings of Moses to make a point. Well, the verse in question is Leviticus 18.5. We will get there to look at that. But just to note, Moses does, uh, Moses, Paul does go back to the writings of Moses to make a point. Now, it's pretty clear if, if he's using the Old Testament to make a point about something, we have to note that it is likely not to be about the mystery. We've talked a lot about the mystery, and that leads us to point B, right? We should review the use of the Old Testament and the New Testament, especially as it relates to the mystery. <clears throat> so we should know that the writers of the New Testament are in their right prophets, just as the prophets in the Old Testament. So the prophets in the Old Testament were not like, well, these were the real prophets. And then the prophets in the New Testament are like, well, they wrote letters, but they, and, you know, they weren't really like Daniel or, or Isaiah or Moses. That's not true. It's the same spirit that uh, motivated those prophets of old were in the New Testament prophets. There is no difference as far as who they are representing, and who they are speaking for. They all are speaking for God. So the, so the writers of the Old Testament did not have Scripture before them except as it was written. The writers of the New Testament have the Old Testament as commentary or analogies, metaphors. They could use the, the Old Testament in ways that they wanted to use it to make a point. And this is what is important to note. Now you, this, I had, you know, in my time uh, of researching some of the Old Testament quotes that are in the New Testament, I, I've looked at some of this uh, as to how 
uh, it's, let me just say, especially Jewish people might look at some of these quotes from the Old Testament. And a lot of the, the Jewish people that I have encountered don't like when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament. They say, ah, oh, they've taken it out of context. That is not what Moses was talking about. That is not what Daniel said. What they don't understand is the New Testament writers have every privilege they want to use the Old Testament writings however they want to make the point in the New Testament. So it is not that they have taken it out of context. They may have gotten an idea from the Old Testament, modified it so that it fits something that's in the New Testament. Why am I telling you all this stuff? It's just so you know when, when and if or if and when you encounter such an idea that you leave room for the New Testament writers to make their own points. After all, what we have is never before seen at all. So we find analogies from not only Old Testament writings, but commerce, any finance, agriculture, uh, you name it. You find analogies all over the place in the New Testament through the military and on and on. So the New Testament writers have a lot to communicate and they will use whatever means necessary to do so. Let's keep going. Point C. Our subject is salvation by grace through faith. Why do I say that? It's Ephesians 2.8. Uh, and, and how do I know our subject is salvation by grace? Because you look at first. The verses in Romans 10, 1 and 2, because this was the major flaw that Israel needed to face. Again, why don't I just go ahead and read um, Romans 10. Let's do that. Romans 10, 1 and 2. It says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. If you wanted to keep reading the next two verses, you would realize it's all about salvation. All right, so that's that's the point. That's where we are. If you ask, what is he writing about? Well, he's writing about salvation. Why is he writing about salvation? Could be a question. It is because this was the major flaw of Israel. If you wanted to say, well, yeah, Israel failed a lot in the Old Testament. If you wanted to just recount all the failures Israel had, what would be the root cause of their failure? It would be this, that they refused to accept the grace of God and by faith believe in the, the sacrificial substitute to come. They refused. And then the Jews of the early, the first century, when Christ came, refused to believe that Jesus was the Christ, Son of God. They refused it. And just like we read in Acts chapter 7, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. Just as your forefathers did, so do you. That's Acts chapter 7, uh, where just before they stoned uh, Stephen. So we know what the problem was for Israel. Paul, and we, we just saw in Romans 9 how he dealt with uh, their objections, but now he levels it and says, here it is. 
He's going to talk about salvation, and he's going to talk about how Israel failed in this regard. Just keep that in mind. They failed. So if anything, Israel is not set up on a hill for us to admire and to emulate. Israel failed. That is nothing to emulate. So I'm, I'm just trying to make sure everybody is aware of what is going on in the church today. They are talking about Israel, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, as though somehow those verses, we could do better than Israel and keep the law and then God will be pleased with us. No, we are under a different plan altogether. So that's point C. Right, so we should know our subject is, is salvation by grace. And why? Because Israel failed at this. It was a major flaw. And they need to face this. This is where Paul is trying to reach out to them as well as correct those past failures. He's not saying, yeah, Israel, you, you, you are great. You, you, no, he's telling them straight, this is where you failed. I would appreciate that. So, point D is a review. Israel had two major issues. Two. One, they accused God of violating his promises toward Israel by choosing the church, which is made up of Jews and Gentiles. So, the, the Jews, uh, they rejected this whole idea. In fact, even the Jews that did believe in Christ, they didn't like the idea of being in the same body with Gentiles. They just didn't like it. They just thought, well, the Gentiles are beneath us. And why should we be you know, subjected to being in the same body with them? They just, they did not agree. But you know what they weren't agreeing with? They weren't agreeing with the Father's eternal purpose. And this is the purpose that the Father uh, established before time began. And the reason why all things exist in the first place. So for you to say, well, I don't think it's a good idea for Jews and Gentiles to be in the same body. Whose idea was that? It was God the Father's idea. And we're not to, when you criticize something, just be careful about what's really happening here. Are you, you have to know that you're criticizing the Father's eternal purpose. And there's no coming back from that. There's no stopping that. The Jews were involved in that, especially as it related. And I gave the scriptures here. You could read them yourself. Romans 8, 33 to 35. Who is he that condemns? You know, who, who will find fault with this? Well, Israel will be the ones to find fault with this. And then in Romans 11, 1, Paul addresses. He says, I say then, has God cast away his people, which he foreknew? This was what Israel was saying. God, you, you can't choose the church. So these were two major things. And this, the first one's bad enough. I mean, we're talking, you reject Christ, well, you're not going to be saved. You will not see life, and the wrath of God will remain on you. Doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It's just like Paul said in Romans 3. Are we any better? Meaning we Jews? No. God has made the charge. All Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. That's Romans 3, 9. You're not getting away from that. So they accuse God of that. Then they accuse God, hey, you can't change uh, horses in midstream. You can't, you can't choose the church. You got, you got to stick with Israel. And they re 
it's that was an affront to the Father's eternal purpose, which they really were treading on dangerous ground, and it is dangerous ground. So point number that was point number one. Point number two, uh, as what we need to review these issues, they failed at justification. We already covered that a lot, thinking it was by their attempts at keeping the law of Moses. That's what they thought. They said, well, not only do we have the law, we're privileged, but we are the ones who are keeping the law. Really, they were not keeping the law. They were attempting to keep the law. They were never keeping the law. No one ever kept the law except one person. And when and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he did, and when God the Father acknowledged that by a voice from heaven, this is my son. This is the one I love. I have chosen him. Listen to him. He was, he was letting people know that this is the one I accept. Point number three. Those were the two major things Israel failed at. They rejected Christ and they rejected even before Christ came, they rejected him to come. And point number three, in the same way, you cannot live the Christian life until you are saved by grace. Now, this is a simple point to make, but that's exactly what Israel was trying to do. They were saying, hey, let's get to the way of life, that is, keeping the law, without being saved. They had to become saved. That's why uh, you know, they ignored those scriptures. There's none righteous, not even one. There's none who do good. There's all uh, become uh, worthless. They all, none are righteous, not even one. They ignored all that, ignored the substitutionary sacrifice, and they opted to be accepted by God uh, by keeping the law. That was the thought. So that's point number three. And so, so now we're, we're concluding this. And now this is a twist for some. Because Paul writes uh, this. He says, Moses writes about the righteousness that is by the law. This confuses a lot of people. So in point E, I say, righteousness of the law. This is the phrase I'm zeroing in on. Paul seems to allude to a righteousness that is, notice, of the law. Yeah, that's interesting. So I said, but how does that square with Romans 3, 19 and 20? Well, Paul is the one who wrote Romans 3, 19 and 20, just to note. So, but he does seem to say, Moses writes about the righteousness that is by the law. So why is he bringing that forward? We're going to see. Because he does, he does clean this up for us. So there is a right, and this is what I'm saying, there is a righteousness of the law, as we shall see. Now, if we stop the Bible study here and you didn't have any more notes or anything, I wonder, would there be questions in your mind? I wonder. I would hope so. Because you'd ha the question that jumps out at me is, what do you mean righteousness of the law? I need to understand that. I would, I would need to understand that. I hope you do too. All right. <clears throat> so point number two. Let's dig into that. And this is the quote that we have from Leviticus 18.5. And I say in point A, this is certainly true for Israel. Right? The way of life was the law. This is the, 
if you ask, what what is the Israelite supposed to do? What is Israel supposed to do? They're supposed to be under the law. They're supposed to keep the law, obey his commandments, obey his statutes, obey his ordinances, obey the law. Simply put, that is the duty of Israel. So we have this quote in Romans 10.5, and we have it in Leviticus 18.5. What we're seeing by Paul bringing this point out is that he's trying to tell us how Israel got tripped up. This is how they mix things up here. They assumed that their living according to the law was their justification before God. That's what they assumed. And, and Moses brought out a good point here. He said, there is a righteousness that is according to the law. We don't have to get why he said that. And what kind of righteousness did Israel get from their obedience to the law? We're going to talk about it. And we're going to, it's very interesting that he brings this particular scripture. So let's dig in. Point B. Unfortunately, as we learn, they put the cart before the horse. Okay, so we know Romans 3, 21 through 24. So the righteousness that they were seeking is justification with God. That's what they were seeking, justification with God. Because technically, if you receive righteousness, then God, the justice of God says to you, justified. It's a verdict. So I'm going to go to Romans 3, 21 through 24. We have read it before, but look at it in this light. Romans 3, 21 through 24. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. So the righteousness that has to do with justification is what is being spoken about here. It is through faith. Now let's let's just read that again. Now, apart from the law, right? This is separated from the law. It doesn't have to do with law keeping. This righteousness of God has been made known, revealed. But notice to which the law and the prophets testify. When he says the law and the prophets, he's talking about the Old Testament. Well, so, so this righteousness was available in the Old Testament, and it, the Old Testament spoke about it. What's, the law and the prophets are Old Testament writings, by the way. So, verse 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Notice, it is not to all who keep the law. Because it is not by keeping the law. It's apart from keeping the law. And it says there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Remember, Gentiles didn't have the, the Mosaic law. So it couldn't be for them to keep the law if they didn't have it. And there's no difference. Jews, Gentiles alike, have to receive this righteousness in the same way. And it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Okay, so what are we saying here? We're saying here that Israel, through their righteousness that comes through the law, we're going to understand what that is in a second, they assumed that that was justification for uh, salvation, which was wrong. They were not acceptable to God because they kept the law. 
And we're going to see what, what kind of righteousness that was. And point C, we got to look at this now. So, so a quick look at the context of the quote in Leviticus 18.5 should help us determine if it, if it refers to eternal salvation or how it, the Israel and Israelite should live. So we need to look at Leviticus 18 and we're going to start with 1, one through 8. This is just giving us some of the context of what is going on and why did Moses say this in Leviticus 18. Uh, 5 is our verse, but we're going to read 1 through 8. Let's read it. Leviticus 18.1 The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live. And you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep, and here's our verse in question. Keep my decrees and laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. Okay, so this is those who do. This is the very verse that Paul quoted. But keep in mind, here it goes. We're going to read to verse 8. No one is to approach any close relative to have sexual relations. I am the Lord. Do not dishonor your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. Do not have relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with your father's wife. That would dishonor your father. And if I kept reading on to 9, do not have sexual relations with your sister either your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she was born in the same home or elsewhere. And it goes on. So <laughs> I just read uh, right away, you should be able to realize what it means for the Israelites to come out of bondage in Egypt and not to follow the practices that they had before and not to follow the practices of the land that people are going to be kicked out of and Israel will be granted by God, not to follow those practices. That is what he means by those who do these things will live in them. So we'll, we'll get a little bit more context. And then there's, um, uh, where are we here? Uh, this is not only uh, Leviticus 18, 1 through 8, but let's look at 29 and 30. In this regard, twenty, and you could read this whole chapter. It gets highly uh, definitive about what God is one trying to tell them. I'll start at twenty-eight, Leviticus eighteen and twenty-eight. And if you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it vomited out the nations that that were before you. Everyone who does any of these detestable things. Such, as pers such persons must be cut off from their people. Keep my requirements and do not follow any of the detestable customs that were practiced before you came and do not defile yourselves with them. I am the Lord your God. So hopefully you will see that he's not really talking about eternal salvation here, is he? I mean, I, I, that's rhetorical. He is talking about how the Israelites 
are to conduct themselves in the land. All right, so this, this the law is what governed them, and then all of these things are in the law about what they were to do, how they were to worship, uh, and so forth. So now we have to look at the phrase, the person who does these things will live by them. What does that mean, will live by them? So, so the question I always have to ask, okay, so suppose they did these things. What do we mean? The, pers uh, the person who does these things will live by them. What are the consequences for disobedience in these things? That's the next thing we need to understand. So remember, Paul wrote this about what Moses said. Now we're just looking to see what Moses said. So Leviticus 20, 1 through 13, let's look at it. I think it's worth the read. Leviticus 20 We'll go 1 through 13. Stand, I'll read it. The, this is verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, Any Israelite or foreigner residing in Israel who sacrifices any of his children to Molech, and if you want to know, Molech and sacrificing children was also in chapter 18, which we didn't go read the whole chapter, sacrifices any of his children to Molech, is to be put to death. The members of the community are to stone him. That's pretty serious. Consequence. When we say those who do this will live, right? Okay, verse, then verse 3. I myself will set my face against him and will cut him off from his people. For by sacrificing his children to Molech, he has defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name. If the member of the community... If the members of the community close their eyes when that man sacrifices one of his children to Molech, and if they fail to put him to death, I myself will set my face against him and his family will cut them off from their people together with all who follow him in prostituting themselves to Molech. I will set my face against anyone who turns to mediums and to spiritists to to prostitute themselves by following them and will cut them off from their people. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord, your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death because they have cursed their father or mother. Their blood will be on their own head. If any man, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. If a man has sexual relations with his father's wife, he has dishonored his father. Both the man and the woman are to be put to death. Their blood will be on their own heads. If a man has sexual relations with his daughter-in-law, both of them are to be put to death. What they have done is a perversion. Their blood will be on their own heads. And if a man has sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. They are to be put to death. And, and, and their blood will be on their own heads. Well, I, I think... I'm going back to the notes. There's much more that could be read. I mean, Sabbath breaking. Put, take that man out and stone him to death. I could go on. This is just a portion 
Why have I picked this portion? It's because Paul picked this portion to talk about uh, the one who lives by these things. And again, so the Jews stayed away from these things, these, these prohibitions, and thought that by doing these things, they were somehow justified before God. Well, first of all, they didn't fully do them. They did, they could, this was only for them to maintain their residence in the land. <laughs> As you can see, if you do this, the land will vomit you out, just like it vomited those people who were doing these things out. This is not something about salvation. This is the covenant that God created with the nation Israel. So this is not uh, something for us to look at and think, oh, well, see, they kept the law, so that's why they should have salvation. That's what Israel thought. They were wrong. Point E, let's keep going. We're still focused on this. We'll live by them. As we know from the bad news, none are righteous. None are righteous. So there is no living by anything when it comes to salvation. Because none are righteous. Nothing you do can make, can make you righteous. So keeping the law is an impossibility anyway. So that's James 2.10. If you keep the whole law, James says, and yet offend in one point, you're guilty of all. You're, let me just say it louder. You are guilty of all. One point. Well, no one can do that because we're born with sin natures. We, we, we have the nature of sin ruling over us. And we're slaves to sin when we're born. We don't have a choice in the matter. So no one can possibly do that. So James says, if you keep the law, but yet... Offending one point, you're guilty of all. Well, the Jews didn't really understand that because they thought, well, God is going to grade on a curve. I won't have to worry about it because God's going to see my good, outweighs my bad, and, and I'll be okay. Not so. Not so at all. It is impossible. So obviously there are two things going on here. The righteousness of the law the person who does these things will live by them, is not talking about salvation. But that is, why does Paul quote this? It's because he realizes that the Jews were dependent on this, thinking that, well, I, I keep myself away from how the Gentiles live, so therefore I must be uh, okay when it comes to salvation. Wrong, wrong, colossally wrong. It's a horrible way to think about it when it comes to grace, because you will be rejected by God. So, this is, this is this verse, hopefully in a nutshell, of uh, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. He does write about it. The person who does these things will live by them. So, when you get to this uh, next verse that we're in, you see that that is not what, why Paul said this to tell us that there is some kind of righteousness by keeping the law. Because he says in verse 6, which is the next verse we're going to get to next week, but the righteousness that is by faith. Notice, but the righteousness that is by faith. So it's not the righteousness that is of the law. It is the righteousness that is by faith. And he's going to now talk to it. Why did he bring this one up? Because he wanted to talk to Israel and show them that the righteousness that you had here, that, that Moses talked about, was to keep you alive. 
in the land. It was not to bring you into relationship with God in terms of justification. You need, and this is what I meant by they put the cart before the horse. So, last point, point F, and then we'll take some time for some Q&A if there are some points to make in Q&A. It's up to you guys. Point F, why do so many want to be under the Mosaic Law for salvation? It escapes me here. You mean to tell me you would rather believe in the law and try to keep the law in order to be saved? We just read some things that should scare you. Not to say that, you know, it matters what you've done, what types of sins you have. That's not what we're saying. But the penalty of death was very prevalent for Israel. So I, would you want to be under the Mosaic Law for salvation? That was what the Jews wanted. And, and I say, or even as a way of life. So the Jews had that as a way of life. I don't think we would want that as our way of life, to have all of those injunctions, commands, ordinances, and many of them with the consequence of death. Why would, would we want to emulate Israel? Really? You want to emulate Israel? I can't believe people in the church are so head over heels with Israel, when God has given us something that I cannot see, ear, has not heard, and neither has it entered into the heart of man. God has prepared something so fantastic for us that we need not focus on Israel except to understand their failures and to learn from them so that we can move on. So, how can, how can we be under the law? We are not under the law not as a way of life, and it never was a way of salvation. Never was. Paul quoting it here is not somehow some backdoor way that people can be righteous. It is not. As you see, the context of what was said is exactly how Paul wanted us to understand that salvation is by grace through faith. We will get to that next week where we will turn the corner here and talk about uh, salvation as it uh, is, as the Israelite should have understood it. Uh, so we're going to stop here at this point and open up uh, the line for whatever questions you may have, whatever thoughts. If you want to talk about what we just talked about, that would be good. If not, what is on your mind? The floor is open. Well, excellent lesson in, in so many ways. Um, the, the refrain is so common um, that I hear people talking about um, wanting to, to somehow um, show their faithfulness um, or show that they deserve their uh, salvation in some way. And, and uh, one of the things, pretty much like the Israelites, it's, it's not a, uh, for most people, it's not a, a, uh, an individual thought. There's a huge amount of momentum 
in um, that Satan has gotten and taken for a ride many churches that teach that. So a lot of people hear it from places whom they assume is an authority on understanding these things. People have doctorate degrees from seminaries and say those things. It's not that they, you know, um, people have individually come out of the come out of their own study and determine that this is what they want to do. So it, is a, it is a tough battle. It is. I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about how uh, a lot of churches are stuck right here, right? They, they see what Israel did and they, they are trying to mimic the, you know, by all the scriptures, you know, and somehow it's, it's, it's a mixture between the nostalgia of Israel and the thundering diction of the King James Version. <laughs> Between You put that together, man, when people read them scriptures, it's like they're in heaven. Like God said, thus saith the Lord, you know. And, and it, it just gives them a, 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 fear, a, a feeling, a flare of spirituality as they talk about David and Moses and Jonathan and and on and on. And people are like, what What did they say? Oh, well, let me teach you about what happened when the Israelites did this. And, you know, and somehow they, they forget to look at grace. Okay? Israel failed. So uh, this is, n we should not be holding them up. Now, of course, the scripture is God's revelation and his plan and purpose for Israel is all there, spelled out for Israel. They are of this world. But what about us? What does the scripture say about us? We are not of this world. They're totally different purposes. So when you see people who have adopted both flaws, one, they talk about covenant theology, where, oh, there is no church you know, this whole church thing you guys are talking about, well, it's not so. We're all just one big happy family, us and Israel. And what are we supposed to do? Well, keep the Ten Commandments, you know, and we'll pick a few other things from the Mosaic Law for us to do, and that'll be fine. And then you have Christians who are thinking that they, as you were saying, Dwight, they must have salvation in some way. And, and, and they have to effect it themselves. They have to do something so that God knows that they're working hard and they got a good heart and that they're somebody who can do good. Well, God has said, already told them through the bad news that there's none good, not even one. How are you going to... God already told you that what the criteria for the judgment is and then you get up to the judgment and then you want to cop a plea oh wait a minute god i got good works well god already told you <laughs> that your good works don't matter well even 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 there we i think we still have to be careful because some people um we know by you know taking the time to focus on what god is, is saying to us rather than what other people have interpreted that the bad news is in Romans 3, uh, Romans 3, 10 through 12. Right. And yet a lot of people don't recognize that. So if you ask them what the bad news was, they would say something completely different. And, and a lot of things that we've heard before. Most of them would say that 
oh, we have a problem with our personal sin. That's the main deal. Yeah. And why do they say that? That's because that's what all the churches are teaching, and that's what they're being exposed to. And they're hearing it as if it's coming from a very sophisticated, um, you know, intentional way of study and thought. And the, the same people who say those things will say, well, here's the hermeneutics. Here's how you interpret the Bible. And what you have to do is understand the complex thing in terms of the simple thing. So what's the simple thing? We can understand that personal sin is a bad thing. And so let's interpret everything else in terms of personal sin. It's all about, you know, overcoming personal sin one way or another. Right, right. And people have people have a huge problem with salvation by grace and and the assurance of salvation as a, as a result. True. Because True. They, those verses, uh, I you know I, I wish I understood why. Just like you said, I wish I understood why the churches think that that's more complicated and doesn't need to be discussed. Right. Right. Somehow it's to them it's illogical. You know, grace. But uh, but there is one thing, and I you know before I say this, let me just see if there are other questions out there. But there was a, a point that I could make after what you said, but um, I just want to pause to see if others have thoughts, and I don't want to take up all the time. Yeah, there was, there was one. Um, you was uh, making reference um, to the Leviticus eighteen five when you brought out in regards to um, salvation came not of work. And you mentioned that the the law and the prophets testified about this. So what scripture would you use um, in response to that in the Old Testament? Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I missed something what you in your question. Could you just repeat that again? So you you were um, quoting eight, Leviticus eighteen five. Yes. yes. Um, when you, when you were referring to um, salvation without works, and so my question was, and then I think it was a statement, or you you were reading um, something in maybe Romans, uh, where it said the law and the prophets testified to this. Yeah. Uh huh. The fact of salvation without works. Yeah. So what scripture would we use to show in the Old Testament that it was salvation without work? Oh, okay. And I'm and I would I what I would do is I'm gonna give what Paul said. <laughs> so since <laughs> since Paul is the one who said that the law and the prophets testified to this, then I'm just gonna follow Paul and say what he does and that was Romans three. Romans four, he gives the example of Abraham. And Abraham is the prime example for us to understand salvation in the Old Testament. Why does he bring Abraham? It's because Abraham was a, was a Gentile as well as he was the first Hebrew. Okay, So the fact that he brought Abraham, the example of Abraham when there wasn't a law, the, the Mosaic law didn't come until 400 some years later than Abraham. So for Paul to use Abraham and for the Jews to revere Abraham as their father 
is very significant and that Abraham was saved by grace and not works. So he, he, he gives the example. I would say Abraham is the father of us all. And uh, the Jews should have understood, just like it says, Abraham believed in the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. And that's, that would be a prime example to give uh, for Old Testament thinking and how the law and the prophets testify. So when we say the law and the prophets, what do we mean? We mean the law, the first five books of Moses, and then the prophets, all the rest of the writings of the prophets thereafter in the Old Testament that make up all of the books in the Old Testament, the 39 books of the Old Testament. I'll pause, Bill. Oh, okay, okay. No, I, I understand that. I just thought maybe there was a clincher uh, passage there. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, I would say that. When you're dealing with people that are, are <laughs> no, the I mean, Old Testament people, they, you know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Although, what we, we want to see, just like what we have already understood in the Old Testament about there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who do good. There is none who seek God, right? So all of this that we're talking about, the substitutionary sacrifices of uh animals where the person didn't die but the animal substituted for the person and you know the 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 things were taught this righteousness was taught in the sanctuary services day after day year after year and so forth so this is not something that the old testament did not testify to i would say it is something that they assuredly did testify to and abraham as i said was was the example that uh paul brought after he uh, said that in the next chapter. So, yeah, good question, though, because um, we need to tie that together. You know, what did he mean by testified to in the law and the prophets? Good point to make. Other thoughts out there? You know what? I like, I like that music in in jeopardy when they ask a question it goes do 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 that's what i should have playing when i say other thoughts yeah <laughs> that, that would be good anyway so what i was <laughs> going to say was uh maybe in closing we'll see is some people i have heard some people try to thwart the bad news like can we say you know how uh, adam you know, by one sin, you know, sin spread to all. And this way, sin spread to all men because all have sinned when Adam sinned. And, you know, we understand the bad news in light of what Adam did, right? Because of what Adam did, we have become sinners, right? This is the truth. Paul taught this extensively. And others, not just Paul. So, some people have said to me, I, I, this is in my years ago, let's just say, I don't know exactly what year it was, but it was some time ago. Some people have said, that's not true. That's not true. That you're not, you have to be responsible for your own self. You know, you got to clean up your own act. Don't try to make it seem like Adam is the one who got you into all this mess. I said, well, where are you getting that from? And guess where they said? Ezekiel 18, 5, or some verses in Ezekiel 18 where it talks about every man uh, is going to be responsible for his own sin, right? And so 
they think that that in some way counters what Adam did and says, no, it's not what Adam did. You have to be held responsible for what you do. Hence, it makes people feel the burden and obligation to repent of their sins and try to reform themselves for their salvation and such and such. However, when you read Ezekiel chapter 18, what you realize is he's not talking about salvation at all. He's talking about a person who's like the watchman on the wall. And if that person does not sound the trumpet, if he's sleeping on the job, then his father's not going to be judged for him sleeping on the job. He's going to be judged for him sleeping on the job. Just read the chapter and you will see it's kind of ridiculous, but people grasp at words as they are grasping at straws to try to thwart the bad news. And ultimately, they don't do such a good job. If somebody does have a question, we could go to Ezekiel 18 at some point. I don't know if we have enough time this tonight, but we, we could look at those verses or you could look at them on your own and just to see, are they talking about salvation? Are they talking about the bad news that counters what Adam did? Or is it talking about something else? Take your time and take a look at that. I will pause. Uh, we just talk about something else. Something else. Okay, Dave. <laughs> I hear you. And, I know you get that from the. I know the Jehovah Witnesses. They they use the, the they use that verse a lot. Yeah, I've heard it from the JWs, right? Because they don't like the bad news. Right? They they don't like right. the bad news. Right. So they would use that, wouldn't they? Right. And I, I, I have another thing um caught my mind. Um I was doing some research about the um the the, the um man that visit Christ at, at his birth and and what a Murph. Murph is a form I was reading um I got it from Walter Payne. Murph is a form of uh, of a bombing fluid. Is that Something right? That they would use to bury the dead. Mm-hmm. Were you reading a commentary or something? I, I was reading a commentary, but I, I went to Google to search. To, I went to Google and I and I and I, and I read that too, and also heard, and I also heard it from, from things. Oh, you know what? I I'm going to be honest with you, Dave. I will have to brush up on that. Uh, okay. But I can very easily, and we'll get back to you on 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 the next time we meet. Now, the next time we meet. Right which hopefully um, is Sunday, which is uh, December 26th. I believe that is Sunday. What is yes, December 26th. We hopefully will have service. I will keep you guys posted. I know many of you probably will be visiting family or doing family things. So uh, keep... Just stay tuned as to whether we uh, will have service, will not have service. If not, I'm sure we will have it again next week. Um, so, uh, so you know, the frankincense, the myrrh, and uh, what's the other spice? Boy, I'm, I'm a little foggy on this. Sorry. but It was like gold and myrrh, right. Yeah, I will look it up and see if... I know you're talking about the myrrh. I, I will look it up and see exactly right. what, what I've come up oh. with, and we'll compare notes. How's that? Sure. Okay. 
Sure, great. And um, another thing, just to mention what Dwight was talking about, and you brought that scripture, Romans chapter 4. Yeah. Um, it says, did Abraham believe first, or was it credit to him at first before he believed, or works involved? Right. A lot of churches, they, all, they, they believe also works are involved with being saved, which we know they don't, a lot of people that are hearing this from the different pastors or whatever, whoever's inside the pew, they don't study God's word to find out if what they say is true or not. Right. That is right. Yeah. And you're right. But that's the whole problem with figures, you know? That is absolutely. They don't. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. They don't take God's word and his verse and look at the what God is saying. They go by what they heard. Yeah, that is true. I, I was really disagreeing with you. Also, yeah. I also know that, I know, I think I talked to you before about this in Galatians. Mm-hmm. Those who rely on keeping the whole law are under curse. That's right. Yeah. That, that is, that would, that's an excellent verse to bring, Dave, and I could have used it on, on the sermon. Why didn't you say something earlier? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Those who rely on, on keeping the law are under a curse. Cursed is everyone that does not continue in all things written in the book of the law to do them. There's another sister verse right. to right. talk about what we just talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Galatians is another book that is filled with uh, information where you can help sort out the purpose and use of the law. And Galatians does a good job. Paul does a, 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 a really good job dealing with uh, the problems that were there in that church that uh, the Judaizers were imposing on the Galatians. Absolutely. All right. Other thoughts out there before we close? All right. Sounds like we have consensus. And we are going to close. Let's bow our heads as we are dismissed. Father, thank you for this time we've had. We are appreciative, thankful, grateful for all that you've done for us. The fact that you've made it clear of Israel's failures. We are alerted to not repeat them, but to know that they are a part of your eternal purpose. God, you have established them in this earth, on this earth, to for a purpose. And you brought Christ on, on the scene through them. And you they have been witnesses. And we know that you have a purpose for them in the tribulation and following in the eternal state. So while we're talking about their failures, we do respect their role and purpose in the Father's plan. Thank you, Father, for clarifying all of this to us and helping us through as we look at these passages in the Old Testament. We thank you for those who have joined us and we pray as we continue to study to show ourselves approved that we will continue to work uh, diligently so that we may come to know you better. It's all in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.